Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 71 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Hebrews chapter 7 today and our focus is on the best news in the world about something that is currently happening. Before we get started, I do want to encourage you, please check out our website, Bible2021.com. We have a contact page there and a transcript of every episode. As well, I would encourage you to leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and consider sharing the show either by word of mouth or email or social media. Now, before we get to the greatest news in the world currently happening, I know the suspense must be killing you, let's talk a moment about Melchizedek, who is most certainly one of the most enigmatic figures in the Bible. As a refresher, Melchizedek was a king of Salem in the Promised Land. This was the city that would ultimately become Jerusalem later on during the period where the Israelites took over Palestine, but they did not found the city. It's a very ancient city. Interestingly, Melchizedek wasn't just the king of Salem, he was also a priest of God Most High. In fact, Melchizedek is the first priest mentioned in the Bible and one of two kings who are also priests. Can you name the other king? That's right, Sunday school answer, it's Jesus. Last year, in an earlier version of this podcast called the Bible Reading Podcast, we discussed what I consider the biggest question of all about Melchizedek. Is he a pre-incarnation, in other words, pre-New Testament, pre-birth of Jesus? Is he a pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus? Now, the reason that I ask that is because of passages like Hebrews 7 verses 2 and 3, which says, first his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Now, I don't know any humans who don't have a literal father or mother or genealogy, nor beginning of days nor end of life, or that is a priest forever, that description, if it's taken literally, could only apply to Jesus. Now, some say those verses are a bit of hyperbole, but I don't actually think they are. I think the writer of Hebrews is telling us who Melchizedek really is. Now, one other clue, and there are several, but one other clue in this chapter tells us that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham, which would be a pretty significant thing to say, considering that Jews consider Abraham to be their human father in many ways. Now, if you want to hear or read more about this, check out episode 13 of the Bible Reading Podcast, Was Melchizedek Actually Jesus?, which is linked on our show notes today at Bible2021.com. Our topic today is based on our verse of the day, which is also our verse of the month, Hebrews 7.25. We read it every day in March, therefore Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. I consider that the best current news in the world right now. Yes, of course, I'm very aware things are looking better and better in terms of the COVID pandemic. I follow the numbers literally every day. Okay, maybe not literally. It's possible I missed like three or four uh, checking on the numbers in the last year since this pandemic started. I follow COVID a lot more than I want to, really. I am gladdened by the good news we are seeing. And I think it is good news. I think things are getting better. Not sure where it's going to get just great or anything, but 
it's getting better, but that's not the best current news going right now. The best current news going on right now is that Jesus, the Son of God, who has died for our sins and defeated death, is currently right now praying for us. Hebrews 9 sheds a little more light on this glorious truth. Hebrews 9.24 says, Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. So Jesus is in the presence of God praying for us. Paul talks about this too in Romans 8.34, where he says, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So let that sink in. Jesus is interceding and praying in the heavenly sanctuary in the presence of God the Father on the on his right hand right now for his people. Eric Raymond from Gospel Coalition reminds us of two great quotes about this glorious truth. One we've mentioned before, Robert Murray McShane, who said, If I could hear Jesus praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. He certainly is. Louis Burkhoff in his Systematic Theology also says it is a consoling, comforting thought that Christ is praying for us, even when we are negligent in our prayer life, that he is presenting to the Father those spiritual needs which were not present to our minds and which we often neglect to include in our prayers, and that he prays for our protection against the dangers of which we are not even conscious, and against the enemies which threaten us, though we do not notice it. He is praying that our faith may not cease and that we may come out victoriously in the end. Man, that's good news. So let's read our passage and then we're going to close out with some words from Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of God most high, met Abraham and blessed him as he returned from defeating the kings, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Now consider how great this man was. Even Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the plunder to him. The sons of Levi, who received the priestly office, have a command, according to the law, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brothers and sisters, though they have also descended from Abraham. But one without this lineage collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. Without a doubt, the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, men who will die receive a tenth, but in the other case, Scripture testifies that he lives. And in a sense, Levi himself, who receives a tenth, has paid a tenth through Abraham, for he was still within his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection came through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to appear, said to be according to the order of Melchizedek and not according to the order of Aaron? For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must be a change of the law as well. For the one these things are spoken about belong to a different tribe. No one from it has served at the altar. Now it is evident that our Lord came from Judah, and Moses said nothing about that tribe concerning priests. And this becomes clearer if another priest like Melchizedek appears, who did not become a priest based on a legal regulation about physical descent, but based on the power of an indestructible life. For it has been testified, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. 
So the previous command is annulled because it was weak and unprofitable, for the law perfected nothing, but a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. None of this happened without an oath, for others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath made by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has also become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now, Many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office, but because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins, Then for those of the people, he did this once for all time when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the promise of the oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been perfected forever. Amen. Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is praying for us. What a wonderful, heartwarming truth. But let's close out today with some Spurgeon wisdom to help us remember and celebrate this wonder. I love to read those words. He ever lives to make intercession for them. This is one great object for which Jesus lives to make intercession for those that come unto God by him is the business of his life. Is not this wonderful? If some influential and powerful person should say to you, I live to promote your interests wherever I go and whatever I do, whatever I seek and whatever I obtain, I live for you. That would show a great friendship and excite in us great expectations, would it not? Yet here is the Lord declaring that he lives for us. For us, he appears in the presence of God. For us, he has gone to the many mansions of the Father's house. For us, he constantly intercedes with God. Oh, the deep debt of gratitude we owe to this glorious one who, having died for us, now lives for us. It is more than if a brother should say, I live my whole life for you. From a remember, this might be said to be the second life which our Lord gives to us. He lived for us here below a whole lifetime. He laid down that life for us, and now he lives again for us. I don't know how to speak what I feel concerning this surpassing greatness of his love. He could not be content to give his life once for us, but he must needs take it again and then give it over again for us. See how he loves us. He died for us. See how he loves us. He lives again for us. He lives for sinners. He lives to intercede. And for whom is intercession but for those who need an advocate? Yet more, it is said, he ever lives to make intercession for us so that the whole life of Christ throughout eternity, his boundless, endless, glorified existence is still for his people. He glorifies the Father and makes glad the hosts of heaven, but this is the set perfect purpose of his heart, to live for us. He loved me and gave himself for me is true, but we may read it in the present tense if we like, and it's still true. He loves me and he gives himself for me. Christ loved his church and gave himself for it, and now he loves his church and gives himself to it. What inspiration lies in the endless life of Christ for us? Let our lives be lived wholly for him since he lives wholly for us. Amen and amen. We'll close again with our verse of the day and the month, Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. Amen. Good day and Godspeed.